This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Reds v Blues, Liverpool v Everton, one fighting for the title, another against relegation. I'm Guy Clark, welcome along to the Blood Red channel as we look ahead to the 240th Merseyside derby this weekend at Anfield. Here to share its views, insight and understanding of one of English football's richest fixtures. It's a pleasure to welcome BBC Radio 5 Live's football correspondent, John Murray. John, thanks for taking the time to, to join us here on the Blood Red channel. Of course, you'll be behind the mic for Five Live at Anfield on Sunday, the game live on, on Five Live and the BBC Sounds app. I mean, how much are you looking forward to to this fixture? For Reds, it's always one of those to mark on the uh, fixture list, the calendar, when the fixtures are announced. I'm sure for, for yourself, it must be something similar. Yeah, I love derby matches, always have done, where, wherever they've been played. And they all have different characters, don't they? And certainly... Uh, Merseyside Derby is is no exception to that, but I think what makes this particularly uh, interesting and enthralling um, outside Merseyside as well is the uh, the knock on effect. And I think to come at this stage of the season when we've only got four weeks of the season to go, and there's so much meaning loaded on it for both sides, um, and also having a crowd back in which wasn't the case at Anfield last season. So having a Merseyside derby at Anfield with a crowd, um, you, you know, there's, there's so much in this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of that, let's kind of go down that route. It's it's hard to kind of think of a time where the stakes have been bigger for the Merseyside derby. As you say, bragging rights are always there. But certainly in the, in the 90s, when Everton were battling against the drop, Liverpool weren't quite there in terms of the title race. And, before that, when, when Liverpool were challenging for the title, Everton were a side who were trying to vie for the title alongside them. So, I mean, two sides at polarising ends of the table, both very much in need of the points. Yeah, and I think as Jurgen Klopp said in advance of the game, you know, there has not been a Merseyside derby that has not been important. But, um, but certainly for Liverpool, it, it's probably must win. And for Everton, by the time we kick off at Anfield it is possible that they could be in the bottom three, depending on what happens in Burnley's match earlier on in the afternoon. So, you know, that says it all. You know, it, it is vitally important for both teams, this one. Yeah, no, most definitely. And as you say there, the, the element of the, the fans being there. I mean, it's been so long for Everton since they've come to Anfield with the fans being there. We know that the woes Liverpool had last season, the, the six defeats in a row at home. But this week, of course, is, is Mark more than five years since Liverpool lost a game at Anfield in the league with supporters there. It's a remarkable run, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, I still can't get my head quite around what happened last season. You know, that run of six consecutive defeats, which was a club record, um, and, and the Everton defeat was right in the middle of that, wasn't it? Uh, yet either side of that, pretty much this amazing home form has continued, particularly in the Premier League. And, and again, at the moment, the run they're on at the moment, I think it's 11 home win, consecutive home wins in the Premier League. They've barely conceded a goal in that time. And they are just so strong there. And having been there the other night for the Manchester United game, uh, in advance of that match, travelling to Anfield, even though Liverpool are in the form that they're in, and even though they, they played as well as they had, particularly obviously in the first half in the FA Cup semi-final against Manchester City. I still felt, travelling to Anfield the other night, you know, this is a week where they're playing Manchester United and Everton. And OK, you know, those two those two clubs 
are, as the Continentals say, not in their best moment by any means. But I still felt that if Liverpool were, were going to get to the end of the week, having won both of those matches, in whatever way that they did, they would take that. However, they did much more than that against Manchester United. And I think because of that, the expectation is that this perhaps will will be straightforward for Liverpool. But things very often never work out how you expect. No, certainly not. It does feel as though Liverpool, the, the, the size of the squad, the, the quality within the squad, obviously added to in January with, with Luis Diaz, that Liverpool are now beginning to really hit some, some red-hot form at the right time, as you say. Coming into games against Manchester United and Everton in the past, they've kind of been cagey affairs, even during Jurgen Klopp's tenure of just kind of squeaking through with the, the points. But the manner of the win on, on Tuesday night, I suppose, Liverpool are, are banging form and it's exactly what they want for obviously challenging on on all four fronts already, well, three fronts, having already won the Carabao Cup. Yeah, and, and Salah scoring, you know, that was ominous. I've, fe I've felt in his recent games that that was coming. And sure enough, you know, a couple of goals against Manchester United. For Everton, he has a worrying habit, doesn't he, of once he gets going, scoring in a run of games. The fact that all three of them, the front line that Jurgen Klopp went with against Manchester United, scored in that match, they all provided the passes for goals as well. Uh, I think the, the the fact that the the injury situation for Liverpool, you know, you have to, however they've done that, whether it's luck, good fortune, and and the medical department that they have there, you know, that's a great thing for them. I think there's a little bit of a doubt about Firmino, but in saying that, you know, there, there's plenty of backup and plenty of options. Uh, whether Jota will start this match, um, you, you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe he'll stick with the same again. I don't know. But it's just they're in form, you know, virtually in all areas of the field. They've got players in form at the crucial point of the season and barely any injuries. I mean, that is the stuff of any manager's dreams, certainly Jurgen Klopp's dreams. Yeah, no, most definitely. And I mean, I was I was just thinking there as you kind of were, were reeling it off and talking about kind of the, the depth within the squad that, that Liverpool have. That I remember listening back in, in December to, to one of the games you called at White Hart Lane or at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with former Liverpool midfielder Ray Houghton. And listening to him earlier in the week, he was talking about how Jurgen Klopp is so difficult to second guess what he's going to do with the team. And now he's got this plethora of options that he can choose from. For, for someone like yourself trying to, I suppose, research and prepare for the game, it must be a nightmare. Uh, well, just keep all options open, guys, <laughs> to be honest. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's like that with Manchester City as well. You know, it's exactly the same sort of thing. And, I mean, less so with Liverpool. I think once the team's named by Jurgen Klopp, you've got a pretty good idea of, uh, of, of who's going to play where because, you know, he has a, he has a way and he, and he sticks to it. And it is, you know, invariably successful. Whereas Manchester City is slightly different in that, you know, you'll get a collection of forward players and you're never absolutely sure who is going to be where in, in terms of their position on the field. I think for Liverpool, it, it's, it's a good deal more straightforward. You know, there might be a little bit of shuffling around, but not much more than that. Um, and, you know, what, what I... What I'm always amazed, you know, we talk about the fullbacks for Liverpool, for Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. Everyone knows that threat. All the teams that play them know the threat of, of those two fullbacks, what they do, the, the danger that they provide, the way that they, you know, so consistently are able to provide balls into the box. And yet, despite that, opposition seem very, very uh, rarely able to deal with that and snuff out that danger. And 
you know, as I say, it's a bit, it's a, quite a mystery to me how they're, how they're able to continue to do that. And no one has, in inverted commas, worked out how to, how to stop the danger. Yeah, definitely. In, in terms of, you say, for what the last five or six seasons, it's kind of been the same game plan that, that Liverpool have gone with. I suppose in recent weeks and months, we, we've sort of seen a shift, I suppose, more of controlling that midfield. Previously, with the likes of Juni Wijnaldum, it seemed very much more functional. But Thiago Alcantara seems to be coming into his own. And even Sadio Mane moving off the wing and into that centre-forward position. I mean, you, you were there on, on Tuesday night to see that pass for, for Salah's goal. I mean, absolutely extraordinary. The, the Just the pace and the, the ability in which Liverpool moved the ball, albeit Jurgen Klopp was asked in his press conference ahead of the game if Thiago Alcantara slows the play down. Uh, well, I'll tell you what he does do. He uh, he certainly catches the eye. Uh, I mean, he he is you, he now looks fully fit. You know, we've seen flashes, and obviously he's had frustrations and he's had spells out with Liverpool. But I think it, this again, a bit like I was saying about Salah for Thiago, this is this has been coming. You you saw those flashes and some of the touches. I mean, some of the skill, some of the quality that he has is is just fantastic you know the the kind of player that when you go to watch a football match you will be thinking i'm going to be look i'm going to be watching tiago today you know he's he's a player that people want to see and i was thinking in fact we said it the other night during the easter holidays at the moment i'm sure at anfield the other night there were lots of kids who were, were taken to the game at anfield who might not necessarily have been there before or wouldn't have been if it had been a different time i mean that's the sort of kid you know schoolboys, schoolgirls absolutely you know lapping up the way that Thiago played he, he is the classic joy to watch at the moment yeah no I can imagine myself going back to, to my youth on the school playground trying to do one of those no look passes I've just been falling over constantly I'm sure <laughs> they've, they've, all, they've all been doing passes. that this week yeah they've all been doing it on where are they in the in the, in the parks and and, uh, and streets of Liverpool I don't, I don't doubt yeah, no, most definitely. In terms of this game, then, the point of the season, it comes out, as you say. I mean, it's really one of those that's built up, isn't it, for, for legends to be written into the Liverpool folklore. I mean, Divock Origi has done it in, in previous Merseyside derby, seems to come alive for this fixture. But where we are at this point of the season, if Liverpool are to win the derby and go on to win the title, this could well be one of those kind of poster moments that's, that's looked back on in the archives of that was it, that was the, the beginning. I mean, we're six games to go, aren't we? The running starts now and this could be the the uh, acceleration, I suppose, towards the title. Yes, or alternatively, from the other way of looking at it, if you look at it from an Everton point of view, it also could be a game that we look back on and think that was the one that cost them the title because when you look at the matches that you know if we're looking at the top of the table that the matches that Manchester City and Liverpool have, have got left you know you have to think on paper that it is a tougher running for Liverpool but I think there is this widespread expectation isn't there that these two teams are certainly capable and might very well win all of their remaining matches I think for it to be a classic title race from a neutral point of view, what I want to see, and I think what others would want to see as well, is a bit of jeopardy here and, and drop points. And teams, you know, them dropping points, maybe City losing one, maybe Liverpool losing one. And and sitting at Manchester City on Wednesday, which I was doing when they didn't uh, make the breakthrough until almost 10 minutes into the second half, that was genuinely tense inside the stadium. And it was a growing feeling of tension 
as well. Um, and, and proper relief when Manchester City did find that goal. So we want to we want to see these teams go behind. Not if you're a Liverpool fan, not if you're a City fan, but I think you want to see them tested in that way. Have to come from a goal down. Have to turn it around. Um, and it, it it is possible, of course, that that we might get that uh, that wish in the Merseyside derby if Everton are able to get their noses in front. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. In terms of the title race, then, and, and looking at Liverpool, looking at Manchester City, do, do, do you kind of go along with this idea that this is, certainly on a technical level, the greatest rivalry we've, we've seen within kind of, certainly the Premier League era, if not within English football, just how consistent, as you say there, these two sides are? Because it completely defies logic that what for, for three seasons now, these two sides, each of them seem to have had a blip along the way. But each of them just continue to, to to rack up points tallies that you just think are absolutely absurd. Well, it is the greatest in terms of how many games they're able to win. Um, and obviously, we think back to the 98 points to 97 season. Uh, if they win all of their matches this season, I think it would be 95 points to 94. You know, that is incredible consistency. Um, again, we're talking about it from a, as, a, as a wider football watcher and a neutral. I'm not sure that that actually is entirely healthy, that they are quite so dominant. Um, because I think if you carry on like that and, and carry on having dominance like that, if, if it's these top two or, you know, if another team comes along and replaces them, whatever, I think, you know, I think you, you want to be, you want your top teams to be strong, but I think you want them to be a little more vulnerable than they are, and I think it. I think it shows that there is, um, you know, maybe maybe the balance for whatever reason. Whether you're talking about what, whatever aspects of the game you're talking about, I think this perhaps suggests that maybe it's weighed a little too heavily now in terms of the strongest clubs and the strongest teams. Yeah, definitely. I suppose a, a point on that as well is, is Chelsea, isn't it? Pre-season off the back of winning the Champions League, signing Romelu Lukaku. A lot of people thought they're going to be a side that, that join Liverpool and Manchester City. But even recently, their home home defeats with Brentford and Arsenal, I suppose, just underlines just that sheer level of consistency we've got right at the top. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure, you know, obviously we're going to have five substitutes allowed in the Premier League next season. Do you know something that, you know, there are two sides to this. There's obviously the, the health and well-being side to it, which is the most important point of it. And, you know, I keep hearing managers saying that the reason for this desire to have the five substitutes is for that reason. And, you know, and if that's the case and they've got the evidence, then fair enough. But I do feel that that will, again, favour the stronger teams um, and, you know, might, might actually add to the, the imbalance that I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. Right. Going back to, I suppose, the, the, the derby, as you started off sort of saying, all derbies have their own kind of feel and everything. You've called a, a number of Merseyside derbies. And I mean, this season as well, it feels as though certainly watching that FA Cup semi-final last week and the fans having not been there last week, that the Liverpool fans seem completely re-energised, the, 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 the songbook's getting added to every week as well, it seems. I mean, for, for yourself, in terms of radio commentating, it must be one of the, the, the real arts of the craft of kind of describing that atmosphere as well as it building behind you whilst you're obviously building up to the game. Yeah, frantic, really. And I thought it was I thought it was quite a feat and an achievement that the matches behind 
closed doors were as competitive as they were um and i think that's a significant point as well i've talked about the injuries and i know jürgen klopp's been asked about it in the build-up to this game the fact that he obviously sustained serious injuries last season with with van dyke and tiago picked up a nasty injury as well in the merseyside derby and it's at this stage of the season where liverpool are going for the quadruple so um i think it's Stuart atwell isn't it who's the referee of the uh, of the derby match you know a clear message has been sent out to him there uh, in terms of how he officiates and what he's got to bear in mind um but it is frantic you know i've seen these games i've seen some terrible merseyside derbies over the year absolutely terrible where you know mark lawrenson always says in his day when he used to play it used to be a case of throw a ball on after 10 minutes that's you know i've heard, I've heard him say that so many times and you're still getting a little bit of that these days. I don't know, it's quite quite the same as it was. Um, but it, it, it is strange, isn't it, how big moments have have often been thrown up in uh, in this in this derby match over the years. Yeah, and I suppose even in modern memory, I mentioned it before, Divock Origi, the yeah. moment with, with Jordan Pickford. I mean, that that is one of those, isn't it, that just is, is lodged in the mind. Yeah, I think as well, Van Dijk scoring on his debut. Uh, it was an FA Cup tie, but it was a Merseyside derby. I think of Curtis Jones as well, actually, scoring his first Liverpool goal, which was I mean, fantastic goal at Anfield against Everton uh, in the derby match. Um, Marco Silva's final match, that's another one that, that comes in when they were just steamrolled and it just seemed inevitable that that, that would be it for him. Um you know, you can you can pick out so many of them. I've actually, I was this morning. I was looking way way back and and uh, having another look again at the Andy King goal from the seventies, which you're way before your time, guy. And uh, Graham Sharp's brilliant goal as well, which I think was I think that was goal of the season. Certainly, it was in the match of the day. Uh, credits for for year after year. So you know, and, and obviously you can go way way back before that as well. But. Uh, I hope, we'll, I hope we'll have one or two of those moments in this match on Sunday. Yeah, it certainly has whetted the appetite. Before you go, just back to, to the title race, and we've spoken about Jurgen Klopp, and I suppose that's one area, I suppose, behind the, the, the scenes type thing, that you get to interact with him after the games of interviewing him. And as much as he, he's on the pitch, he's giving the players the hugs and the fist pumps to the crowd. There is another side to him, isn't there? When you've got to interview him, certainly when it's not gone his way, He's yeah, not always yeah. the uh, the easiest. No, which um, but they're, they're all the same. I find um, you know very often they can be quite tricky. Doesn't matter who they, who they are if things have not gone their way. And I think particularly the the most successful managers because generally things do go their way. So therefore, when things don't go their way, they don't like it, and therefore you know it is a it, it's a human trait you know it doesn't happen very often and when it does the question is asked why is it gone wrong and the insinuation from that is it's your fault it's gone wrong so i think it is just a human natural human reaction to be defensive in that way and it's not just Jurgen Klopp. and arsene wenger used to be he was fantastic to speak to when things went well you know such a good talker so interesting he could be a really tricky interviewee when things had gone against his club as well. So, you know, I think um, it's 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 not just not just Jurgen Klopp. 
No, most definitely. And just a, a final one that I will bring it round to speaking about Jurgen Klopp is just the way, as I said, the crowd's been re-energised. Of course, the, the new Jurgen Klopp chant seems to be being boomed out of the cop or even Wembley uh, every kind of moment at the minute of just sort of the appreciation and adoration towards him. It, it shows kind of the importance even within the modern game where everybody wants everything yesterday of sticking with him, allowing him to build, of course, off the back of Eric Ten Hag coming in at Manchester United and and what a huge job he'll have on his hands there. But Jurgen Klopp's kind of set that template that, that other clubs are, are often too impatient to try and follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Liverpool are very lucky to have him. Same way as Manchester City are very lucky to have Pep Guardiola. And I think it it's a real... What they have is a real rarity quality to, to, to be the figures that they are, to, to be able to galvanise, I think particularly in, in the Liverpool sense, because they have such a long way to come under Jurgen Klopp, but to be able to, to galvanise everything. And he's the, you know, he is the leader. He is the, he is the, he's at the heart of all of this for Liverpool. His character his personality, uh, his brilliance, you know, his, his professional abilities, you know, that is a that is a rare, rare mix that Liverpool have had, and and that is the overwhelming, overriding reason why they are where they are and on the brink of doing something that's never been done before. No, we'll have to wait and see if it can be done indeed. Liverpool still, of course, in the hunt for the quadruple and the next game up is Jurgen Klopp. So keen to stress is always the most important one. And for many Reds, it certainly is the 240th Merseyside derby this Sunday. Then make sure you catch match commentary on BBC Five Live and the BBC Sounds app as well. There'll be a link to the app in the description of the podcast. But from myself, Guy Clark, it's left to say thanks to Five Live's football correspondent, John Murray. John, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Guy. Pleasure. Brilliant stuff. Well, that's all we time for here on this special edition of the Blood Red podcast. Thanks for joining myself and John. And until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.